Alvin F. Meredith III became the 18th president of Brigham Young University, Idaho on August 1, 2023. He was sustained as a General Authority 3070 on April 3, 2021, and continues to serve in this role today. Prior to his work at BYU-Idaho, he served in a number of church callings, including as a member of the presidency of the Churches Middle East, Africa North area, and as president of the Utah Salt Lake City South Mission. In his professional career, President Meredith worked in, the, in Singapore, Hong Kong, and Nashville as a senior executive of Asurian, a global technology firm. President Meredith earned a bachelor's degree in psychology from Brigham Young University and an MBA in finance from the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. Sister Jennifer Edgen Meredith received a bachelor's degree in communications from BYU. She worked in human resources for Franklin Covey. Sister Meredith served as a mission leader with her husband in the Utah Salt Lake City South Mission. She has served as a presidency member in multiple church organizations and as a full-time missionary in the Argentina Salta Mission. President and Sister Meredith were married on June 6, 1998 in the Salt Lake Temple. They are the parents of six children. It's going to be a good day. <laughs> I was going to twirl her on the way up here, but I thought better of it. We, uh, we welcome you to devotional. You'll hear from each of us individually, but we wanted to extend a joint welcome. We extend a special welcome to the freshmen beginning this semester because Sister Meredith and I are freshmen too. We have anticipated this gathering since the end of April when we met with the First Presidency and President Russell M. Nelson extended this assignment to my husband to serve as the president of BYU-Idaho. Truly, you are a marvelous sight. We can imagine the many thousands of you gathered with us online from all around the world. You, we are so glad that you're here. As you begin your studies this semester in the beautiful buildings here on campus and, and even in your homes if you're taking classes online, we invite you to consistently attend two great halls of learning. The first is this one, the BYU-Idaho Center, every Tuesday for our weekly devotionals. We invite you to attend these devotionals. Bring friends, coworkers, roommates. Just come. The messages shared here will be carefully and prayerfully inspired by the Spirit. It will be especially important to attend when you don't feel like attending. We promise that if you will prepare and attend each week, you will be taught by the Holy Ghost. There is a long-standing tradition to come prepared to learn to devotional. This includes bringing scriptures, notebooks, or electronic devices, and to dress in your Sunday best. Please dress in your Sunday best. But if for some reason you are unable to, unable to, please just come. The most important thing is that you are here. The second great hall of learning is the temple. Schedule time to be in the temple. The Rexburg Temple is adjacent to campus, and we will soon have another temple on the same street. For our online students, do your best to make temple attendance a priority. Attend as often as circumstances permit. Attend the temple with your roommates, friends, spouse, future spouse, or alone. Just attend. President Nelson has promised whenever any kind of upheaval occurs in your life, 
the safest place to be spiritually is living inside your temple covenants. As you couple your academic learning with spiritual learning in these two great halls, your lives will be richly blessed. Once again, we are honored to be with you. You are the hope of Israel. The world desperately needs consecrated BYU-Idaho graduates who are disciples of Christ. You will achieve great things in the Lord's assistance, with the Lord's assistance in the years to come. Now, Sister Meredith will address you. Several years ago, I saw an online business advertising master classes. These classes were taught by masters of trades and professions, including authors, actors, chefs, strategists, designers, and more. For a fee, you could learn from them as it suited your schedule. What a great concept, I thought. Then one day, I read Paul addressing his fellow saints in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. What learning could Jesus Christ impart to us to help us master our professions or fields of study? He is, after all, the creator of the world, which surely involves knowing how to do everything within it. He is the master. The mission of BYU-Idaho is to develop disciples of Jesus Christ who are leaders in their homes, the church, and their communities. By choosing to attend BYU-Idaho, you have enrolled in Discipleship 101. Just by engaging in your classes and participating in your wards, you will be tutored in discipleship. Additionally, today, I invite you to enroll in a master class with Jesus Christ, the master teacher. Find a way to spend time with him each day. Be with him in the scriptures, in prayer, in repenting, in ministering, in attending devotional, and in the temple. Over time, you will increase your capacity to hear him and recognize and receive personal revelation. Participating in his master class will enhance and accelerate your learning in every other area of your life. President Meredith and I strongly encourage you to schedule time with him on your calendar. You return missionaries know all about daily and weekly planning. If you miss an appointment or two, just keep going. Whatever you do, do not drop this class. It will bring peace and joy. When life is difficult, our time with Jesus Christ will be even more important so that we may draw upon his strength and power. Remember the words to this well-known hymn, no waters can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and skies. In our most recent general conference, President Russell M. Nelson shared, I plead with you to come unto him so that he can heal you. He will heal you from sin as you repent. He will heal you from sadness and fear. He will heal you from the wounds of this world. Whatever questions or problems you have, the answer is always found in the life and, and teachings of Jesus Christ. Learn more about his atonement, his love, his mercy, his doctrine, his restored gospel of healing and progression. Turn to him, follow him. 
Our family once found a wonderful playground with a large playscape. Its beautiful design was anchored by a center metal pole with four surrounding stakes connected by a web of ropes. There appeared to be infinite ways to climb through the ropes to summit the top with an amazing view. Our youngest son, Christian, energetically followed his big brother, Ethan, through the maze, excited to conquer the challenge. At one point, Christian, in the red shorts, got a little off balance with foot placement. As he slipped, his focus quickly changed from his brother to looking down. He anxiously tried to correct his mistake, but within seconds and only a few turns, he was clinging to the bottom of the center pole <laughs> upside down. <laughs> What you cannot hear him saying is, um, I think I need help. <laughs> Fortunately, President Meredith was there to pick him up and get him moving upward again. Have you ever felt like Christian? I have, and you may have too. I hope you will remember this image of Christian upside down when you feel this way. We will have missteps as we learn and grow. It is rare that students do not face some type of challenge during their university experience. Please remember the following. Like Christian, we have a Father, a Heavenly Father, who can and will pick us up and turn us if we ask for help. And like Christian, we all have an older brother, Jesus Christ, who has given us an example of where to go and how to get there. This may include additional support from family, friends, and professionals. As you can see, Christian triumphantly made it to the top, and you can too. In the Book of Mormon, Alma chapter 17, Ammon, a disciple of Christ and great leader, who was probably a young adult like you, had just begun his mission among the Lamanites. You may remember Ammon's precarious situation with the scattered flock of sheep in his first transfer. In reaction, we read that the, the servants of the king began to weep exceedingly, saying, Behold, our flocks are scattered already. Now they wept because of the fear of being slain. In contrast, we continue to read, When Ammon saw this, his heart was swollen within him with joy. For, said he, I will show forth my power unto these my fellow servants, or the power which is in me, and restoring these flocks unto the king that I may win the hearts of these my fellow servants, that I may lead them to believe in my words. Ammon's reaction to the same situation was opposite of his fellow servants. Why was his heart swollen with joy? President Nelson has taught that the joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. Joy comes from and because of him. He is the source of all joy. Ammon knew his focus and his mission among the Lamanites to bring souls to Christ. So with that understanding, what did he do? He received personal revelation on the spot. With great confidence in that focus and mission, Ammon led out. In verse 31, we read four things he told his, his fellow servants to do. First, my brethren, be of good cheer. Let us go and search of the flocks, and we will gather them together and bring them back to the place of water. And thus we will preserve the flocks unto the king, and he will not slay us. After they followed this direction, he added a fifth directive. Encircle the flocks round about, that they flee not. 
How was Ammon able to have such clarity of thought and lead out in such a time of great fear? Yes, we live in the last days. Yes, and it can feel hard and overwhelming. These things are acknowledged. And like Ammon, when our foundation is built upon Jesus Christ, we can learn to find joy in challenging situations and see them as opportunities to show forth God's power. We can be sure that Jesus Christ will guide and direct us to know what to do. Personal revelation will flow. My invitation for you this semester is to consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. Whatever your desired profession or field of study, enroll in his master class. Be his student. Make him your priority. When we are intentional in learning from the master, he will help us master our learning. In the process, we will find peace and joy. And I conclude with President Nelson's promise. Please believe me when I say that when your spiritual foundation is built solidly upon Jesus Christ, you have no need to fear. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. In a recent interview, I was asked about my favorite tradition. That was easy to answer, kissing my wife on the way to the podium. <laughs> on August 24th, just a few weeks ago, while most of you were away, there was a major development, one that I know that each of you read with great interest and even excitement. After an extended period of development and collaboration with what some might consider an overabundance of caution, it was announced with great fanfare and media coverage that India became the fourth country to land a spacecraft on the moon's surface. <laughs> Closer to home, also on August 24th, the Church Board of Education approved updates to the Honor Code, dress and grooming standards, which are part of the Honor Code, and ecclesiastical endorsements. The dress and grooming standards were changed to the dress and grooming principles. As you have been keenly aware of, the dress and grooming expectations, quote, have historically varied among CES institutions and will now be simplified and unified across campuses. These updates identify a set of foundational principles while retaining an important set of common expectations, close quote. It was noted in the press and social media that there was much joy and rejoicing among the students of BYU-Idaho. Capris were dusted off, long shorts packed for the fall semester, and even a hashtag free the knee was launched. <laughs> it, it is anticipated, though, that when winter arrives here in just a few days, that will be changed to hashtag freeze the knees. <laughs> Could I invite us to pause for just a moment and lift our eyes up from our newly revealed ankles and knees and ponder on some higher and holier principles. Our preeminent purpose at BYU-Idaho is to develop disciples of Jesus Christ. And as was said in the invocation, lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ. The honor code, which includes the dress and grooming principles, is very much a part of that development here at BYU-Idaho. When lived in the right spirit, and I emphasize in the right spirit, the honor code helps us become more like Jesus Christ and helps us to draw closer to him. 
I would like to talk to you about three ways that the honor code can help us come unto and become more like Christ. First, the honor code helps us build the spiritual muscle to become covenant keepers. Second, the honor code gives us an opportunity to act with integrity. And third, the honor code provides an opportunity to walk by faith. First, the honor code helps us build the spiritual muscle to become covenant keepers. Making and keeping covenants is part of the test of this life and is also the path to eternal blessings. President Nelson is taught, quote, your commitment to follow the Savior by making covenants with him and then keeping these covenants will open the door to every spiritual blessing and privilege available to men, women, and children everywhere, close quote. The covenant path is the one path that leads to the celestial kingdom of God. The ordinances, beginning with baptism and culminating in the temple, are essentially key milestones of the covenant path. Faith, repentance, and obedience to the commandments are how we press forward with a steadfastness in Christ along the covenant path. You have noted that the expectations of the honor code are very similar to the commandments that keep us on the covenant path. And the honor code, which I invite you to read intently, we commit to strive to deepen faith and maintain gospel standards, be honest, chaste, and virtuous, obey the word of wisdom, participate regularly in church services, respect others, including the avoidance of profane and vulgar language, and obey campus policies, including the dress and grooming principles and expectations. Abiding by the honor code is good practice, if I can use that term, for abiding by our sacred spiritual covenants. President Nelson has taught that the joy and privileges associated with making covenants with God. He has noted these blessings. Those who keep their covenants with God will become a strain of sin-resistant souls. Making a covenant with God changes our relationship with him forever. It blesses us with an extra measure of love and mercy. When we enter into a covenant with God, we have made a covenant with him who will always keep his word he will do everything he can without infringing on our agency to help us keep ours. It is my prayer that we will be a covenant-keeping people. Second, the honor code gives us an opportunity to act with integrity. It has been said that the bedrock of character is integrity. Three months ago, President Nelson announced the release of an updated Preach My Gospel. He reflected, this new edition comes at a time when the world is rapidly changing and reflects the sensitivity to many of those changes. It contains some of the best instruction I've ever seen to help people accept the Lord's invitation to come unto him, close quote. Hearing that, I was very interested in what had changed in this new edition. Many of you are returned missionaries and will remember that chapter six of Preach My Gospel is about Christ-like attributes. Interestingly, there was a new Christ-like attribute introduced in the new edition. It was integrity. Preach My Gospel teaches this about integrity. Integrity flows from the first commandment to love God. Because you love him, you are true to him at all times. Like the sons of Helaman, you walk uprightly before him. It teaches what you choose to think 
And what you do when you believe no one is watching is a strong measure of your integrity. Integrity means that you do not lower your standards or behavior so you can impress or be accepted by others. You do what is right even when others scoff at your desire to be true to God. When you have integrity, you keep your covenants with God as well as your righteous commitments to others. Integrity includes being honest with God, yourself, your leaders, and others. You do not lie, steal, cheat, or deceive. When you do something wrong, you accept responsibility and repent instead of trying to justify or rationalize it. Preach My Gospel concludes the section on integrity with this promise. As you live with integrity, you will have inner peace and self-respect. The Lord and others will trust you. Part of the honor code is to be honest, and that includes not cheating, but living the entire honor code, including the dress and grooming principles and expectations, is also part of having integrity, of living by what you signed up for. Even at a place like BYU-Idaho, there may be times that you are tempted to cut corners and do things that are not completely honest. Thank you for being strong and acting with integrity. Bishop Richard C. Edgeley, when he was a general authority and in the presiding bishopric, told this story of learning an expensive and valuable lesson on integrity. He says, after my freshman year of college, I spent the summer working at the newly opened Jackson Lake Lodge located in Moran, Wyoming. He explains that after the summer, he returned home and was greeted up by his father in the driveway. He then said, after a hug and a few pleasantries, he looked into the back seat of my car and saw three Jackson Lake Lodge towels, the kind that you cannot buy. With a disappointed look, his father merely said, I expected more of you. Bishop Edgeley said, I hadn't thought that what I had done was all that wrong. To me, these towels were but a symbol of a full summer's work at a luxury hotel, a rite of passage. Nevertheless, by taking them, I felt I had lost the trust and confidence of my father, and I was devastated. He goes on to say, the following weekend, I began the 370-mile round trip back to Jackson Lake Lodge to return three towels. My father never asked why I was returning to the lodge, and I never explained. It just didn't need to be said. He says, this was an expensive and painful lesson on honesty that has stayed with me throughout my life. Bishop Edgeley then commented, sadly, some of the greatest missing values in today's world are honesty and integrity, close quote. We are particularly interested in integrity as a spiritual principle, but I will note that it is also critically important because we are a place of higher learning. The famous English author Samuel Johnson expressed it in these few words, integrity without knowledge is weak and useless, and knowledge without integrity is dangerous and dreadful. The world is in desperate need of men and women who value their integrity. I hope that you would not trade your integrity for towels or a grade on a test or homework assignment or even a beard or shorts that would not cover garments. 
be as the people of anti-Nephi-Lehi who were perfectly honest and upright in all things and were firm in the faith of Christ. Please consider this a call for a commitment to unwavering and unyielding integrity. Jesus Christ was the personification of integrity. In the pre-mortal life, when the Father called for one to act as a Savior and asked, Whom shall I send? Jesus volunteered, Here am I, send me. Then when he came to earth, he was submissive to his Father's will in all things. He said, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And when he was mocked and scorned, when he bled and suffered, when he was beaten and bruised, his commitment to do what he said he would do outweighed any desire to have the cup pass. And finally, the third point, the honor code provides an opportunity to walk by faith. Before we came to this earth, we lived as spirit children with a loving Heavenly Father. He provided a plan for our happiness and progress in this life and in eternity. Part of that plan is for us to receive physical bodies. Another important purpose of this life is to learn and grow. In the process of learning and growing, sometimes we walk with knowledge and other times we walk by faith. Said another way, sometimes we understand the why, and other times we may not. Please understand at this university, we seek knowledge, and perhaps more importantly, wisdom. Wisdom, by the way, is the right application of knowledge. And I acknowledge that some of you may not understand the whys of parts of the dress and grooming principles and expectations. With that in mind, let me share what President Dallin H. Oaks had to say about dress and grooming to BYU students years ago when he was president. His sentiments are applicable to us today here at BYU-Idaho. Quote, I think all will agree that dress and grooming standards are not the most important standards required of those who attend this university, but they are among the very most visible as we associate with one another and as we come under the eyes of those who visit this campus. Consequently, these matters have been emphasized and will be emphasized to an extent beyond their intrinsic importance. He goes on to say, those who take exception to this emphasis should remember that while most of these standards are not vital matters of personal morality, neither are they burdensome. And he concludes with, like the word of wisdom, the requirements are adapted to the capacity of the weak and the weakest of all saints who are or can be called saints, close quote. To be clear, we do not assert that our dress and grooming expectations are celestial worthiness standards. But while at BYU, they do stand as an outward sign of an inner commitment to, if nothing else, do what we signed up to do. While I think it is important to ask why and to question, if I may be direct with you, you do not have to understand the why to abide by what you signed up for. In the context of dress and grooming, not understanding the why is never an excuse to not live by those principles and expectations. In other words, sometimes you simply have to walk by faith.
Adam was a great example of walking by faith, of being obedient to commandments that he did not fully understand. We read in the Pearl of Great Price, and the Lord gave unto them commandments. Sacrifice was one of those. And Adam was obedient unto the commandments of the Lord. And after many days, an angel of the Lord appeared unto Adam, saying, Why dost thou offer sacrifices? And Adam said unto him, I know not, save the Lord commanded me. I pray that you will have that Adam-like faith, that if asked to look at the proverbial staff or dip yourself in the proverbial river seven times, that you will do so. At BYU-Idaho, we humbly strive to maintain the highest standards of personal conduct and appearance. We all understand that we're not trying to mimic what is acceptable in the world, nor do we judge anyone for dressing and grooming differently than we do here at BYU-Idaho. But these standards help us step away from the world and remind us that we're in a different kind of place here at BYU-Idaho, a special and sacred and set apart place. We commend you for signing up to live by these standards. That speaks volumes about your character. That makes you different, a good kind of different. I hope that you will feel good about that. Now let me conclude with a different thought. This is the second day of school. Some of you, including Sister Meredith and I, are still finding your way around campus. You are figuring out classes and roommates and whether you can put dark clothes in with light clothes. Can I just tell you, you can do this. Not the darks and the lights, but you can be successful <laughs> here at BYU-Idaho. Sister Meredith and I love you. We are rooting for you. We believe in you. Be kind to yourself in this transition at the beginning of the, se of the semester. Ask for help when you need it. And most importantly, stay close to the master. Keep him first. Elder David A. Bednar once said, most of us clearly understand that the atonement is for sinners. I am not so sure, he says that we know and understand that the atonement is also for saints, close quote. I am telling you, you are saints. And the, and the strength of the atonement of Jesus Christ is for you, if you will seek it. I witness of the love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ and say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.